podcasting the final audio frontier. These are the legends of Brown Squadron. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. Here, sir, you, you better take a look at it. The ongoing mission to explore the Star Wars universe and other nerd culture topics, to seek new content and new cantinas, bars, and lounges, to boldly annoy Scruffy by making too many bad jokes. Welcome to the Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. All right, so I was thinking, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of reading lately, and uh, especially, you know, something we don't uh, touch on very often is our love of post-apocalyptic type of stories and stuff. So, uh, quick question before we get rolling. What's the one thing you would want to have with you going into the apocalypse if it happened today? Scruff? Uh, All right. Um, It's a tough question because you know i think about the uh you know what kind of a weapon you know food kind of a food mm-hmm. uh piece and i think one of the things that um one of the things i found that uh, i thought was really cool and had to have is the old military can openers because mm-hmm. that 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 little that little meme that little joke you see where they're they're in the bomb shelter the husband and wife are in the bomb shelter and you see the bomb going off above and she's looking at him saying i told you to bring a can opener <laughs> there's my one item uh that that i think it's a military can over a p35 or something like that but that's mm-hmm. all it is it's just a mechanical can opener very good very good uh <laughs> eleanor <laughs> oh and i'm not allowed to say a canoe or a hot tub because they would be, my, they would be my right. my dream scenario in my right. my uh, apocalyptic fantasy. Um, a hot real, tub, yeah, a hot tub would be a good. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, realistically, probably. Oh God, that's really difficult, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> probably my dog. I think. Mm. I, I think there'd be there'd be stuff around, wouldn't there? Because I mean, if everybody's going to die. This is the thing that I keep thinking about with the apocalypse is everybody thinks that there's going to be nothing left. And unless there's some great big bomb that wipes out everything, then, you know, there's still going to be shops and there's still going to be houses with tools and and tins of food. And if there's a lot less people, there's going to be a lot less people vying for those things. So I think we'll be we'll be okay. Um, So it's probably just the company, just just my dog, I think. There you go. Okay, and I'm in big trouble for not saying my wife or my dog. Well, oh, you just stole my <laughs> just stole my answer, Scruffy, because I was gonna say my I was gonna say my wife because without her, I'm a disorganized mess, and uh, I'm not gonna get anything accomplished. So. Well, having just come <laughs> off of a week without her, I should know that. Yeah, no, I have to have my wife with me because uh, I don't function well without her. Right. Okay. So more on the uh, definitely more on the humorous side, as if that wasn't humorous enough. Um, if you could only take whatever is closest to your left hand into the apocalypse, what are you taking with you? Well, um, it comes down to either this box of Kleenex <laughs> or this vintage Game Boy. Game Boy. 
Definitely Game the Game Boy. Game Boy. It looks like I'm going to be creative in the apocalypse. Oh, I've got some, uh, yeah, art is important even at the end of the world. So I've got some, I've got some paintbrushes here. Absolutely. And for me, Random. it's it's going to be my my uh, notebook that I do all my podcast notes in, so that I can, I guess, look back at all my notes while I'm huddling by the fire. Um, so, well, you didn't bring anything to start the fire with, so you know. Oh, there's my kindling right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to Hyperspace Heroes. This is Brown Leader signing in. Who else do we have tonight? Brown 2 signing in. I remembered it this time. There you go. All right, and so uh, Brown 4 is off tonight. Again, working for the Empire. Has to pay that mortgage, so he's not able to make it. But we have a guest on tonight. Uh, you've heard her already, Miss Eleanor Taylor. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, welcome, welcome. So, uh, Eleanor is an author. Uh, she has produced uh, several books, um, one, one of which we've touched on earlier in the show when we had Mr. Hugh Howie on, uh, which is The Balloon Hunter, and the sequel to that just came out. And um, uh, she's written several other books, and something we're going to talk about tonight, which is one of her areas of focus, which is microfiction, um, which is definitely something that fascinates me. And um, so, yeah, welcome to the show. And... Um, uh, balloon hunter so you guys have put out two books in just a few months and it's a different type of format than people are used to i absolutely love the format uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that uh yeah well um thank you very much by the way um for your kind words uh yeah. they they you say they came out within a few months of each other that is true but we actually wrote the balloon hunter probably a year and a half before um, and it just took a lot longer to get that one uh, out into it, uh, it published because of the the format of that that book uh, was a lot more difficult to get from the computer to, to people's hands mm. um, because basically what we've done is we wrote a story that's based uh, on a conversation had between two people uh, via the medium of postcards and one person is writing on the traditional side of these postcards and the other person is writing on the on the the face of them on the picture side if you like and uh, the, the the story itself was obviously not that difficult to write but what we did then or what Hugh did then was uh, he actually got somebody to hand write the entire story onto all these postcards and then of course he had to get those scanned uh, and then formatted and then uploaded to KDP into a way that would work for KDP and, and do the story justice. Um, and all that took a lot, uh, 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 quite a long time. Uh, the second book came out quite quickly after that because it was a different production technique uh, in that Hugh created a font handwritten font if you like so it was not a case of somebody having to handwrite this one because the font did a lot of the work so it was a lot quicker to get that one out but the second book is uh, rather than postcards it's set in a journal so it's a journal but still handwritten so what was the genesis what was the inspiration for the whole uh, of the story and using that kind of a format well, that was that was Hugh's idea. Uh, the postcards um, for Balloon Hunter was Hugh's idea because I think he was being a bit uh, cunning in that he was trying to get me to write something uh, that wasn't 
a tweet because <laughs> I think we'll talk about the microfictions a bit later. But he he um, had seen me doing the the tweet stories that I was doing, and I think he was thinking of a way in which he could kind of tease me into writing something a bit more commercial, a bit you know public publishable. Um, and he got in touch and he said, "I've had this idea for for creating a story on postcards. Um, do you do you want to?" Do something together like that and i was like oh god yeah absolutely when do we start and we um just sort of brainstormed a few potential story ideas and and got to it quite quickly after that really is um is post-apocalyptic was this your first venture into post-apocalyptic or have you written other uh no i've i wrote um my, the first thing i ever published back in uh oh i want to say 2012 I think it's 2012, uh, was a collection of five short stories that I wrote, um, which is a small collection called Storms in Jars. Um, and one of the stories in that was a post-apocalyptic. It was just one of them. Yeah, it was post-apocalyptic. I think that was a zombie one. It's like a zombie-themed story in that. So, And I've, I've sort of I've, I've toyed with other post-apocalyptic stories, and uh, much of my um, microfiction stories are... Are that kind of theme to them anyway so it made sense Hugh, Hugh and I you know we, we have the same sort of mind when it comes to those things I think which is probably why he asked me to to write the stories with him well that's very cool and I, I love the process that uh, he described to us where he took the one side of the postcard you took the other so you were the voice of Rita and um, he was the voice of oh what was the character's name um, Clayton Clayton okay. yes and um, so, and, and there was just that dynamic, and you could definitely read it in the writing. It was it was very cool, and like I said, it was a different medium, different or not different medium, but different format, and enjoyed it very very much. And then you guys switched up formats for the sequel. Uh, instead of postcards, you guys, what did you guys use? So it's um it's a journal, um, and I again I don't want to give too much away because if you haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> either or one or the other then you know me, I don't want to give give the game away too much but again it's it's kind of this um dual dual storytelling technique so you know one person there's one thread on one side of the page and another thread on the reverse of each page so it's yeah. it's similar sort of idea but in the form of a journal right. and it's it's good with having that journal because it gives us a little bit more space to play with each entry is a bit longer. Like the Balloon Hunter was, uh, I think we were sticking to about 100 words an entry. Um, this one, I'm not sure how many, 200 maybe a, right. a page, I'm not sure. But it just gave us a little bit more breathing room to, to explore the characters that we were writing a bit more. Right, and it was fun. Nice. It, it was fun because it, uh, again, you didn't keep it the same format, which if you, you know, when you do, it can get kind of stale. And so by switching up the format, um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And I, you know, and I liked the ending to the first, to Balloon Hunter. And then I thought, okay, that was a really good ending. And then I got to the ending of, of the sequel and I was like, that's an even better ending. And so <laughs> you, you, me. you two definitely me. surpassed, uh, sur uh, you know, that. yeah, great job. So, oh, um, so I want to kind of uh, take a step back and I want to say, or ask you about kind of what were your influences becoming a writer what were the things that you read or what were the things that you that really inspired you to to become a writer uh well i always think of myself not as a writer so much as a a, a teller of stories really i was i was 
not a big reader growing up. I'm still, to be honest, not a big reader now. I think Stephen King would be mortified to hear me say that, but uh, <laughs> I'm just not. I, I just, I never have been. Um, I was always films. Um, and now, obviously, with streaming services, it's, there's some great stuff on the TV now as well. But I was always films. I was under the under the spell of, of movies. Um, so when I was younger, my sister and I were always exposed. I say always exposed. We, we were exposed to a lot of the 80s kind of classics, late 70s, early 80s classics, much like don't presume ages with you guys, but you're very you into Star Wars. So, you know, <laughs> I imagine we're probably not too far away in age from each other. Uh, so, you know, I was raised on the Spielberg stuff. I was raised on Alien. I was raised on Star Wars. I was raised on horror yeah. films, uh, Salem's Lot, American Wolf in London, all these sort of things that came out when I was young and that were just seared, seared into my consciousness. And uh, from that came this love of, you know, that feeling that it instills in you when somebody tells you a really good yarn and you're just like captured and taken away. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I come from in my soul. And I, I initially I was hoping to to work in the film industry. I got my first, I got my degree in in film. Um, so that was originally what I'd planned to do because I just didn't think I had it in me to do the writing side of things. Um, I've always been very hands-on, I've always been very practical, and I've not really ever been particularly academic. Um, so when I first started writing, it was very much just for my own amusement, my own, you know, it's just, just a different way to tell the stories that were going round and round in my head. Um, I never thought anything would come of it, and never thought, certainly didn't think anybody would want to publish it, and then the whole, uh, self-publishing thing, Amazon KDP came up and I was like, oh, hang on a sec. And that was just a whole new world of possibilities to me. Very cool. Yeah. And you can presume for us. That's fine. Our children presume on us <laughs> quite a bit. So it's, yeah. I don't want to get myself in trouble. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, we are also 80s babies and in terms of uh, film and cinema. Um, and I, I, yeah, story. I don't know. There's just something about '80s movies that it, it's kind of a. They're better. They're better. It, just it was. It. it was kind of a second golden age of storytelling. It's the know? whole Ready Player One thing, isn't it? It's the whole. It's yes. all that kind of. Yes. Ah, this is that's who I am. You, you know, Ready Player One. That is who I am, basically. Right. Well, and I think it was an era where we had so many new stories and concepts and it was a time of a little bit of experimentation in storytelling and, um, yeah. you know, thanks to Star Wars, sci-fi really, you know, blew up at that time. So there was a, a new genre to tell this, the classic stories in and there was, you know, it just, yeah, it, 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 there, yeah, there's just no time like the 80s in terms of filmmaking. And I agree. Uh, and I, I think I think it inspired a lot of storytellers for sure, because um, it was you, you nailed it. Storytelling—that's what it is, um, you know, uh, through the medium of film. So, Storm and Jars was an older uh, or earlier novel or book collection. You said of short stories, and um, and then you've also got uh, what is it? The Fisher Girl. When did the Fisher Girl come out? Uh, the Fisher Girl came out this year. I published it, I think, a couple of months ago. 
Okay. Is it? Yeah, so that was The Fisher Girl is my first novel, or my first attempt at a novel, I should say. Um, but that's a story that's been going around in my head for a long time, and it's it's partly based on one of my microfictions uh, that's in one of the, the microfiction books that I published. Okay. Um, which is actually, I'm finding it really useful, the microfiction side of things, because there's a, more than one time that I've taken a microfiction and expanded on it. So I've got, you know, these two books of microfictions, mm. um, which to me is just like a wealth of possibilities. Yeah. It's like, oh, which one of those am I going to expand upon? And The Fisher Girl is is one of those expanded, basically. So it's kind of like a collection of, of storytelling prompts in a way. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Prompt, okay. Prompts. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, we keep we keep talking about microfiction. What is microfiction? So microfiction is something that I discovered during COVID. Um, I, I was working because I'm a nurse. I'm a qualified nurse, um, and I was working obviously during the COVID years. But I was wanting to write, but I was so kind of uh, full with all the COVID stuff and the work things. I couldn't sort of bring myself to to do much really my my capacity to write was stunted because of everything that was going on and commitments at home and things and then i went onto twitter um and i kind of discovered this um vss community within the writing community uh which is um vss stands for very short story and you get all these prompts on twitter every day usually and it starts with hashtag VSS and then it could be VSS 365 or it could be VSS daily or VSS pick so that would be a picture prompt um, and you take the word or the phrase or the picture that they give you and then you have to create um, a microfiction story which is no longer than the length of a tweet so these are however many characters Twitter tweets used to be. I don't know what they are now, to be honest. Now it's changed. But uh, yeah, you, you you know a handful of sentences, and you you create a, a story, a story within that that sort of um, space. And I was doing these sort of daily, or every other day, or maybe I'd catch up and do two or three in a day. Uh, but they they mount up over time, and I had you know eventually I had hundreds and hundreds of these things. Um, like tribbles so i i put them <laughs> i put them like uh hugh, hugh was constantly sort of nudging me to put them together into a book and that's that's what i did and now i've got two books of them yeah no that's very cool and yeah i mean it's it's uh short stories short films uh have always been you know some people really enjoy the format others don't um a good uh, you know, for me, I know a good short story is always wa leaving you wanting for more. You want to know you've created enough of the universe uh, in that short story to uh, get the reader to want to want more. And I've been I've been going through some of the some of the microfiction, and I gotta say, it's um, yeah, there have been a few in here that I've just been like, that that's it, that's all. There's 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 nothing else, really. <laughs> Leave, leave them wanting more yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh, so are you still writing uh microfiction or are you... I, I haven't done for a while i tell you i stopped doing them uh when twitter got bought out um partly because i was kind of burnt out on them mm -hmm. partly because i had other longer things that i wanted to be focusing on mm -hmm. and partly because 
I didn't like the idea of giving free content to the new owner. Not to get all political and stuff. right, right, yeah. But the, yeah. I, I just thought, no, hang on. Why, why am I doing this for free? And this, you know, this this person's going to benefit from. No, I, I no more. <laughs> right, right on. No, right. absolutely, I get it. Yeah, absolutely get it. Um, so, what uh, what have been? Do you have any like that are your your personal favorites that live kind of rent free in your head all the time that you think back to? Do you know, I don't think about them at all. Um, but they, they were very much an exercise for me just to keep my head in the game and just to uh, just to hone my skills for editing and just try and, you know, uh, cut out all the unnecessary words. And that's the whole point of them for me. And just to feel like I'd done something creative mm -hmm. in a day on days when I had no space to be creative. Um, there are probably a few that I'm more proud of than others. Um, do you what? Do you want me to tell you the ones I'm? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> there's one in it. I don't know if you've read how many you've read, so I don't know if you you'll know any of them. And I can't certainly reel them off verbatim, but I know that there's one where there's somebody set it's set in a basement, and some trigger warning here. Some some guy had attacked his wife, and then. The wife gets up, and it's not the it's not the wife. Oh yeah, okay. It's it's like some kind of other entity, and it right. just basically says, "Do that again, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember that. I remember when I wrote that one, and I was just like, "Yeah, come on, get right. up!" And you know, it, yeah, that was one that I really liked. Yeah, I've not I've not done it justice, <laughs> but sometimes sometimes when you get just the right number of words in the right order. Mm -hmm. And the right sort of rhythm to them, I, 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 yeah. When I when I get a buzz off one of them, I'm just like, yeah, I like that one. Nice. Yeah, click nice. and off it goes, you know. Um, but I try not to think too hard about it because if I if I overanalyze it as I'm writing it, I'd never hit send. I'd never I'd never put it mm -hmm. out there because I'd be just constantly paranoid that. And that's that's kind of the point is that you, it's disposable. You've just got to be willing to let it go, and that's training myself to just put stuff out there and if people like it they like it if people don't like it there's always tomorrow who cares doesn't matter it's art you know right. think of it what you will right it's kind of like us doing this podcast you're not going to please all the people and it's helping exactly. me either way it's helping right. me if, yeah so. uh, no and that's always the tough question for for a creative person too isn't it when do you know you're done you know and so that's interesting to hear that, you know, that's your mentality towards it. You just got to do it and put it together and just throw it on, out there. On to the next thing. On yeah. to, always, 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 always write the next thing. Right, right. Are there going to be more Balloon Hunter books? Or... I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. That's the, that's the $64 million question, isn't it? Um, right. It's, it's a, it, we always say that, if there's an appetite for it, then we probably will. And I think there's probably an appetite for it. Um, there's more story for us to tell. Um, if you've read to the end of the second one, you'll probably know that it, you know, we could we could go on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I got, I'm a little closer to knowing the ending. But okay, I think, no, I'm not going to say anything. But I think with the ending too, it's the way you wrote the ending too. Is there if you guys didn't write another one, you know, exactly. It, it, yeah. It, 
it could be a satisfying ending as well. So it could, it could. Um, um, so yeah, but well, you've got, you've definitely got my vote for more. Um, oh, bless you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so uh, it's it really, truly, it's down, it's down to Hugh and how you know his schedule goes because he's obviously way busier and has more important commitments than I ever have. I'll, I'll be anywhere, you know, if he wants me to write a takeaway <laughs> menu with him, I'll, I'll you know, right. tell me when and I'll be there, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, because he, he's now he's now getting into TV and he's yeah just, yeah I I don't know how he keeps it all straight honestly um, with his schedule that he's got coming up for sure one for one sure. day at a time I think yeah I think so um, so self publishing we've talked a little about that we all kind of grew up in a time that before Amazon and and KDP and how has that really opened up the doors for for authors and for writers and creatives? Well, it's just that it's opened up the doors. Um, I, I, before, before I published Storms and Jars, uh, like I said to you before, I don't, I, I just assumed that I would never get anything published uh, because, you know, the whole gatekeeping thing. And I just thought I'm not smart enough to write a book. Nobody's going to want to read what I write, blah, blah, blah. All these sort of self doubt voices that you get. Um, and then KDP happened and I learned, that's how I came to learn about Hugh, like lots of people um, mm -hmm. and others who'd done it as well. I was like, well, hang on a sec. You mean I can just upload a file and it'll be somebody in Australia can buy something I've written, you know, actually buy it and I can get the money for that and right. they can read my words, you know? It was mind blowing and it's just, it opens opens the, the playing field up for everybody to have a go. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's something that is traditionally commercial. You know, lengths of books, certain lengths of books traditionally don't sell. You know, like uh, novellas are difficult to sell, short story collections are difficult to sell. Um, but, you know, Amazon's now got, uh, it hasn't got it in the UK, unfortunately, but Kindle Vella. Mm. And you can, you, can, you can upload pretty much any, any length of story you want and people will potentially can buy it. And that's amazing to me. Are there in that process, are there any, are there any barriers or do you have to go through any sort of submission checks in terms of like your material has to meet certain criteria or quality or, or is it just kind of a free for all where anybody can just upload something and throw it out there? Um, well, I don't, I don't write anything that might I don't know if there's anything in terms what? of, I mean, formatting wise, I mean, you've got to, you've got to sort of get your head around the formatting stuff. Um, but it's not, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Cause I'm, I'm really not that tech savvy to be honest, mm. but, uh, uh, in terms of content, is that what you mean in terms of yeah. writing? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I just, you know, is there sexually any... explicit or anything like that? Right. Are there, you know, are there, you know, we had gatekeepers in the traditional public sense and, and I know there's not very, are there any at all? I mean, just, I just was curious in terms of the behind the scenes kind of. Nobody's, it... nobody's, well, you don't get a person who comes along and stamps, stamps your manuscript when okay. you, when you hand it over. Um, I don't know if any real actual people cast their eyes over any of it or if they've got AIs sort of checking it for, anything that they might not want published on their on their platform i don't know but um i've certainly not had anything like that it's just purely and simply making sure that it fits the formatting uh, mm -hmm. guidelines that's the only thing that's uh, 
been any kind of barrier to me in the past. And then on, uh, yeah. on the on the actual, when you guys produce the uh, physical uh, edition of it, is that also through the Amazon KDP, or is that like uh, how does that side of it work? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the same. There's there's sort of two branches to KDP. I, it used to be Create Space. I don't know. I think in America it might still be called Create Space. I'm not sure, but uh, I do all mine. Both ebook and uh, the the paperback through Amazon KDP, uh, and it's just you have to sort of format the manuscript slightly differently mm-hmm. um, because e-readers are designed to obviously people can change the size and the font and you know all the things that they change on the e-reader when they're looking at the books, but a, a, a paperback has to um, like let's have a look. So especially with um the books that we've done the the ones i've done with Hugh, they are so specific with their formatting mm-hmm. you have to get it spot on this has got to be on this page that's got to be on that page it's got to fit within the margins of this this and this otherwise it'll look shit and you know mm-hmm. but the paperback is a little bit more in my view a little bit more complicated to format but uh, it's a good skill to have because people pay people to do that mm-hmm there are people out there who will do all that formatting stuff for you for for a price and that's you know if that's if you'd rather save your time and pay somebody great i don't i can't really justify that kind of expense mm-hmm. to be honest and i find it quite therapeutic to do it myself right right and it helps me pick up faults as i'm as i'm doing it so um how many versions do you typically go through like uh you know re-edits of your your own work kind of thing <laughs> at what stage in the game are we talking here i've i've <laughs> the, the, with, with the fisher girl i've literally this morning re-uploaded it and it's been on sale for two months but i've re-uploaded it because i discovered some grammatical error that I didn't realize I'd done. Oh, no. So I'm, I'm, even now, I dare and pick these books up and flick through because every time I do, I go, oh man, <laughs> another one. So, you know, yeah, it's you can keep uploading as many versions as you want. But before I initially submit it for publication, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I do, you know, a few dozen right. passes of it probably in various ways. Right. Not complete rewrites, but you know, I, I, right. I have to go through it a fair few times to make sure that yeah. I think I've got it right. And then it's only after you publish it that you realize that you haven't got it right and you have to yeah. do it again. But that's, <laughs> just the, that's just the way it goes. I, I well, guess uh, that... No, go ahead. That answers a couple of questions. I've, I've been reading some of these, uh, these Kindle books and miscellaneous spelling errors miscellaneous grammar errors i mean how did that make it through like okay that makes sense. oh no it's all on the author really yeah. to know to, to know that they won't they won't pick up your kdp won't won't correct your your grammar errors unfortunately that would be amazing i'd pay mm. them more money for that <laughs> absolutely <And that's> always <laughs> they been wouldn't one do of, that for me that's always been one of my issues when writing some writing anything i don't write it i don't write stories or anything but my grammar error or my Oh. Well, every day is a school day. You see, I, I learn things as I as I fuck them up, basically. <laughs> so, or so somebody will email me and go, "You do realize that you should put the comma here and not here." And I'm like, "Oh, right, okay, I won't uh-huh. do it." You know, so I have to go back and change everything <laughs> again. But it's yeah. all good. 
Okay. I, you know, and I think that was one of the, I, I think I, I became a much happier person as an adult when I finally realized that I'm going to continue making mistakes and I'm going to continue learning and, and that's okay. And that's okay. And I tried to get, when I raised my kids, I tried to get them to understand that, but you never stop learning. Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, exactly. Exactly. Somebody tells you it's wrong and you go, okay, I'll change mm. it. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Have, has there been any talk about doing an audio version of Balloon Hunter? Because um, I think I, I could totally that format. I could definitely hear just two voice actors, and uh, reading each side of the the postcard. I think would be add in some a little bit of radio theater, you know, sound effects behind it, and I think that would be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you're, you're not the first person to say that. Actually, I've heard that somebody else has said that as well. Um... No is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it not, that's not to say it won't happen in the future. I don't know. Uh, I, I think we're keen to to explore any and all possibilities for these stories. Um, and my, one of the things that I said at the very very beginning when we were talking about it, and I, I keep bringing it up from time to time, is you know is accessibility. I want these stories to be accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that uh, certainly with the the handwriting on the postcards that for some people might create a barrier. Um, and that we, you know, there was talk at one point of us doing uh, the Balloon Hunter with an additional section of print so that people could just read it mm. like a regular story if they wanted to. And I really liked that idea because um, I felt it opened it up to, to other people who perhaps um, uh, visual impairment and you know certain people just would struggle with it uh, but unfortunately the cost of producing that I think would, would have been prohibitive because it was expensive enough to produce the book I mean we're not we're not making huge amounts of money on these things at all because because KDP just you know they take um, they, it goes on to the file size and these are really big file sizes for these uh, very graphical books mm -hmm. um, but yeah the, the audio getting back to the audio that sounds really interesting um i don't if if we're going to end up doing a third book which is a a, a possibility um i know hugh's got other commitments at the moment so it might i'm not sure how long that'll be away but uh if we had like a finished complete story arc mm -hmm. um maybe that would be the time to to look at how we might be able to do something like that i don't know we'll see yeah i think that'd be a lot of fun and i know in our uh, in our neck of the woods, in terms of like the Star Wars community, I know a lot of other people that because lives are just busy, audiobooks are the growing, quite a growing trend. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, how a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge consumer of audiobooks. I listen when I'm walking the dog because I get to multitask. Yeah, um, yeah. I find it difficult to sit down and, and find the time to mm -hmm. read, you know, mm -hmm. just read. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I can stick some headphones on and, and go do something else, then I'm, I, I love doing that. Yeah, yeah, and um, um, and I and I, I would say, yeah, I, I definitely I agree. Um, I think that uh, I'm not. I actually am not in the audiobooks myself. I do like to read a traditional book, um, but I listen to other things. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, while so kind of a you know slightly different version, but same kind of concept. While I work, I just I'll throw something on. Uh, while I'm doing chores and stuff, but um, well, if you get into audiobooks, I I, I would suggest too that um, you know that you read some because I think you've got a great speaking voice, and I think that um, 
Uh, don't you think, Scruffy? I mean, couldn't you yeah, listen, to, listen to her telling a story? I mean, for sure. Absolutely. With, with, without it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think so, that's just because just because I'm English and you're well, American. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. Could be some of that. So, um, yeah. Well, if if you guys are going to work on a third one, it, it won't be soon enough for us. I, I will tell you that. I've devoured the two books that that put out so far, and uh, definitely definitely enjoying those. So. Um, I would definitely look forward to a third one, without a doubt. Uh, but bar that, what uh, what's what's new for you? What are you working on next in terms of putting out there? I'm uh, at the moment. I'm sort of switching things up. I'm working on a, a sci-fi hmm. novella, which may or may not be the first of a number of novellas in the same universe. Um, and I'm enjoying doing something a bit more traditional sci-fi actually because the, the the fisher girl the novel that i wrote that was more of a sort of fantasy kind of uh novel uh obviously the books with hugh they're more post-apocalyptic and now the thing that i'm writing is set in more of a space setting so yeah i'm enjoying the the, the change of shift of gears there to a different different slightly different genre very cool very cool scruffy got any questions uh what's your favorite author outside of uh or just any 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 media. Ooh, um, well, obviously I'm a fan of Hugh. <laughs> That's how, <laughs> how come I, I came to get to know his books. Um, Stephen King, Neil Stephen Gaiman. King. Neil Gaiman is also a, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. Uh, Margaret Atwood. Um, they're the ones that I think I go back to time and time again. And then I tend to just sort of read random books if I if I see. Oh, I tell you what I just read recently was uh, well I say read listened to on the uh, Audible was Whalefall by uh, is it Daniel Krause? Daniel Krause. It's about a, a, a teenage scuba diver that gets eaten by a whale. Huh. And he exists within the. St- <laughs> oh, I need space to read self. that. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. I've got to read that. I, you it know, is amazing. I, I think that's the second time I've heard reference to that book. For uh, sure. I, I think I'm definitely yeah. going to have to. Yeah, that. I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah, it Stephen is King fantastic. Was, Stephen King was my introduction to more of an adult book. I was uh, probably 10, 12 years old. Cause that was my mother's favorite author. So I started reading that. I think Christine was the first one I read and just it was absolutely hooked from there. Yeah, and then from there it was Dean Koontz, John Saul, yeah, uh, Robert McCormick, uh, you know all those really graphic horror novels. Yeah, I'm a, I'm that, a sucker. I'm a sucker for cover art. If it's got a good good bit of cover oh, art, oh absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple books a that I bought just for the cover. Yeah, oh, yeah, but because I because I read so so I say rarely it sounds awful, but you know I, I, because I don't consume huge amounts of books, I'm quite particular about what I read. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's got to count. It's, I've got it's got to make it count. So I, I always sort of read the blurb, and I'm I like to hear what other people have said about it. I like to really be taken with it before I read a book. Yeah, I remember Absolutely. growing up. I could they there's not very many bookstores around anymore, but yeah, I could spend hours in a bookstore just and half of it looking at cover art for sure. And yeah. you know, a good cover will will suck you in for sure. And um, I got to say the covers for both of uh, the Balloon Hunter books have been uh, very enticing. 
Um, They're great, aren't they? I can take zero credit for that. That's all. <laughs> that's all, Hugh. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love the. They both stood out, and uh, I remember when scrolling through. Uh, Twitter, whatever it's called, um, you know, definitely seeing before I even saw your name on the post, I saw the cover and I was like, er, stop scrolling. What what was that? And uh, um, oh, it's, it works then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, a, and a good title, because who cannot be attracted to death to anyone who reads this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think somebody put on, on, was it on Twitter or Facebook the other day and they said, I was wanting to read that, but the cover, the, the title put me off a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give you a free pass. You're all right. <laughs> well, I think that's that's their, the, the the Gen X uh, in us, you know, the the the, the, yeah. the the books that made us, you know, the Stephen King. We yeah, we're we're just we're just warped a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually uh, yeah, uh, it's quite clever when you've finished it. I won't I won't say oh, too much, me. but when you, <laughs> the, the title makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That was a great, great ending, Scruffy. You got to catch up. Come on, hurry up! <laughs> You're killing me. It's not that long. Where, how far are you into it? Oh, I, um, I've, I've been without a, without my wife for the week, uh, and I'm just a train wreck when she's not home. Okay. So I, uh, uh, with my schedule being messed up, I think I read three pages, and I just I couldn't stay awake any longer because I think I was coming off of a twelve-hour uh, third shift. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to put it off till the weekend here. Yeah, your schedule, your schedule has been all over the map re- recently. <laughs> yep, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, um, well, sci-fi. I'm gonna look forward to that too. That's uh, mm-hmm. and you know, Amazon, uh, the ebook series. There's a lot of sci-fi series out there, and that's kind of what I've seen a lot of the authors doing, where they'll write the first book and then next thing you know, they've got like 10, 12 follow-ups. You know, and it's all, it's like almost like a reminds me of like old school serialization you know tv kind of concepts um where you know you're just getting the next little taste the next little taste the next little taste so yeah sci-fi I, i'm definitely looking forward to that for sure um okay uh scruff did you have anything else no i just need to get uh, i need to get busy in reading i mean i read balloon hunter in probably less than three hours i i was a t- that was a page turner i once I got started, I couldn't stop, and it was really, really good. So I'm looking forward to this one for sure. I'm sure I'll have this done before, uh, probably before dinner. <laughs> is your wife back now? Oh, yes, yes. She got yeah. home uh, yesterday, so uh, I, my mind is at peace. Okay, uh, so we can read now. <laughs> yep, I can read. My mind is at okay. peace. I'm not stressed out about uh, anything. Um, I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. I can read this thing in about, I'm going to, probably what, probably three hours, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go for it. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have. I'll have we'll we'll do another podcast later on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. excellent, excellent. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I would love uh, it. All right. Well, uh, Eleanor, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, thank you so much. It's been. I really enjoyed all your work. I'm still going through the microfiction. Um, definitely going to pick up uh, the other one, uh, Storm in Jars. I did not realize that was short story, so definitely going to pick that up. And. Um, yeah, where where can our where can our listeners find all of your your stuff? Well, I'm on Eleanor, yes, ElanorTaylor.co.uk, <laughs> or uh, my Twitter is Eleanor J Taylor, 
at Eleanor J. Taylor on Twitter. Very good, very good. Yeah, definitely recommend it. Uh, the Balloon Hunter series is really good, um, and I'm sure I'm going to dive into, as soon as I'm done with the microfiction, I'm going to dive into uh, The Fisher Girl, because I grew up on sci-fi and, and fantasy. Uh, read a lot of fantasy growing up, so definitely. Awesome. Right Let me my... know what you think. Yeah, will do, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, well, so it's been great having you on, Eleanor, and all of our guests uh, become honorary members of Brown Squadron. Uh, and with that, uh, you get a flight designation and a call sign. And so, so exciting. So, so, <laughs> so when we get, so when we have you back on uh, to talk about more uh, books, hopefully the sci-fi ones, and hopefully a third balloon hunter, um, you'll be able to sign in with us right at the beginning. So um, you'll be uh, your flight designation is Brown Thirty Three, and your, uh, I know, right? Uh, and your uh, call sign is. Uh, Lady Karin, uh, C-A-R-Y-N, and I'll have it in. I'll have it in the notes. And um, she was a Jedi uh, in the. Um, uh, I think it was more Legends, so nothing canon. Um, but she was also a storyteller uh, in Star Perfect. Wars Legends. Yes, exactly, Star Wars Legends. And she would go around and uh, tell children stories um, in different planets around the universe. So. Uh, yeah, Lady Carwin. Yeah. I'm going to get that on a badge. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. For the next time. <laughs> there you yes. go. So, uh, but yeah, it's been a joy having you on. We really appreciate it. And uh, Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to hear anything else on uh, Hyperspace Heroes, you know how to fo follow us. Just listen to the outro after this episode. And uh, with that, we'll get out of here. So uh, this is Brown Leader signing off for the group. And you have been listening to Hyperspace Heroes. That's no That's moon. Hyperspace Heroes podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and most other podcast services. If we are not on your service of choice, let us know. To leave your five-star review, just click on the review button on your podcast service of choice and praise us at the maximum character limit available. To contact the show to comment, ask a question, suggest a conversation topic, or just to tell us how handsome we are, you can send us a DM on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You can also email us at brownsquadron at gmail.com. Star Wars, its characters, shows, movies, books, etc. You get it. Our properties of Lucasfilm and Disney. Hyperspace Heroes Podcast has no affiliation with Lucasfilm and Disney, although we would very much like to. Hyperspace Heroes Podcast comments and opinions are ours alone and the show is for entertainment purposes only. This is so we cannot be held liable when we say something dumb. 
If you're still listening at this point, we would like to say thank you for joining us on this exposition into a galaxy far, far away, and we appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you'll share the show with other fans and that you'll tune in again for the next episode. Hyperspace Heroes Podcast, The Legend of Brown Squadron. That's no moon! Sorry, he burped.